Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe, I know you just sat down in your chair from doing Daily Wager. I think you've got a little something on your mouth, a little something right there. Oh, yeah, what's that? Oh, is that crow? Were you just, were you eating crow? I'm sorry, is the series over? Are we celebrating one win? Is that what this show is now? That's what we've been reduced to? I'm just saying, as I recall, on Friday, you were pretty darn convinced that when this series was headed back to Miami, these Denver Nuggets would be up two games to none. And that ain't the case. That's all I'm saying. Last time I checked, tied series, we took one on the road. You are absolutely correct. I thought this was going to be 2-0 heading back to Miami. I thought the Nuggets would win this series by more than two and a half games, meaning 4-1 or 4-0. That looks to be in jeopardy. But overall, from a series prediction standpoint, I'm not all that worried. To see what Miami needed to do to earn a three-point win, I don't see it happening three times in the next six games. They shot 49% from three-point range. All right, They have had hot shooting nights, and those have resulted in wins. But I believe they've played 20 playoff games, and they've eclipsed 45% shooting from deep seven times. It's about a third of the games they play. So you'd expect them to win. But we're asking them to win four and seven, which is more than half. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off. Remember, was it on uh, Thursday maybe when I believe you said that Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and the Caleb Martins and Duncan Robinsons of the world, they couldn't possibly keep it up here in the postseason, shooting at the clip that they have been shooting from three-point range. And then you just mentioned that the Heat shot 49%. Ain't the only time we've seen it this postseason. In fact, seven times what over 45%, four times in this postseason over 50%. I haven't confirmed this, but I did hear an unbelievable statistic where I believe it was Tom Haberstro said that the entire Warriors run, the entire Warriors championship runs, uh, plural, they didn't have more than four games shooting over 50%. The Heat have done that in a single postseason, and yet you just uttered the words, they can't possibly keep doing this, and they have done it and done it and done it and done it and done it. And, done it. and now they're Over doing it Over 50% from three-point range you're talking right, about. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, right. they, they've gotten hot, but it's not the NFL. You're not winning one game. Like that right now, you've got to win, and you probably can get to another one. But Caleb Martin has been MIA this series. You mentioned his name. He has been MIA He's somewhat unplayable because you need more size from a guy like Kevin Love. And you got nothing from Michael Porter Jr. You got nothing from KCP. Jamal Murray didn't heat up till late. It is a good win for the Heat, a really good win. Great adjustments made by Spo, taking away the passing lanes from Nikola Jokic. They went in there and they gutted out a big fourth quarter win. They needed to shoot 69% in the fourth quarter to get that win. They needed six additional free throws. And after all that, they still needed Jamal Murray to miss a game-tying shot. It's a good win, but one win does not a series make. You still need to find a way to get three more, and I have a feeling Denver's capable of playing a little bit better than what we saw in game two. 
Uh, maybe as a whole, certainly the role players could, or Michael Porter Jr. could show up to this series at some point. But I don't know if Jokic could do more offensively than he did. He could go back to being more of a facilitator than a scorer, but the Heat definitely figured something out here. Let's stop doubling Jokic. Let's let him get his 41, 11 rebounds, still had four assists, but we'll try to bring down that triple-double in the assist column and put the onus on everybody else to beat us. And that's exactly what they did, and it worked out. You're acting, though, like it was so hard for the Heat, and the Heat still haven't gotten that Jimmy Butler game. That's what I guess encourages me. You mentioned Caleb Martin there. You're right. In this year, he's banged up, right? Maybe Jimmy Butler's a little bit banged up. I know you've been saying it, actually. You've been saying it since the beginning of the Boston Celtics series or into the Boston Celtics series that you felt like Jimmy was starting to get tired, you know, and then of course he rolls his ankle there in that series. Maybe that does all add up. Maybe he's not a hundred percent. I'm not here for the excuse machine when it comes to Butler, even as a Miami Heat fan, because Butler's out there, he's playing, he's playing the entire game. <laughs> I mean, practically. So I'm not going to ramp up the excuse machine. If you're out there, everyone's a little banged up by the time that you get to the NBA finals, but we haven't gotten that crazy game from Jimmy Butler. He was good in the fourth quarter. He was pedestrian in the first few quarters last night and the heat were in that game. Ab- absent uh, that slaughter that started taking place there in the second quarter when Jokic was on the bench and Jimmy was on the bench, absent all of that, the Heat were in this one in the first quarter and certainly came back into this one in the third quarter and wrapped things up in the fourth. So what's going to be interesting about game three is the adjustment that's going to be made to counter what Spo sent out there in game two. Basically, they were just going to isolate Nikola Jokic because when you watch him, You put a guy on him, and then you see this a lot throughout the course of the season. You try to double him because he's such a prolific scorer. Someone comes running over from a different angle, tries to knock the ball away. He has got Neo in the Matrix-type vision. He sees it coming, and he throws a dart of a pass to the now-open Denver Nugget player who has been vacated because the double came for Jokic, and that player gets a wide-open look to knock down a shot. And if Denver gets hot that night, they're going to be knocking down a lot of shots They're going to score a lot of points. That's what makes the offense hum. So the Heat took that away. They said, you're going to be able to shoot as much one-on-one as you want. We're just not going to give you those wide-open passes. And as a result, Denver struggled offensively more than we've seen in quite some time. So here's the counter. The guys that surround Jokic can't stand around like they did in game one. They're not spectators sitting courtside cheering on their favorite team. They're actual players who need to get their rear ends in gear moving around the court. It's what makes Steph Curry so dangerous. The guy never stops moving. And the more movement and the more screens that are taking place off the ball will create some opportunities to get some open players for Jokic to pass to that can then knock down shots. Whether or not they do knock down those shots on the road, that remains to be seen. But that's the counter to what the Miami Heat just did. Now it's about going out there and executing. And for all the talk about everything that happened offensively with Jokic, Someone at some point needs to mention that trash Denver defense because they didn't do a damn thing in that game, leaving guys open, wide open all throughout the night. It was day one install stuff to use some NFL parlance that they were blowing out there, and it was embarrassing. And that's why Malone lit into him after the game because so much of that, it doesn't take an advanced mind to communicate that a pick or a switch is coming. You got to stay on your man. A lot of wide open looks for the heat in game two. And we will get into Michael Malone calling out his team publicly 
in the press and saying that they weren't giving the effort there on defense. A very smart woman here on ESPN Radio. I think she goes by the name of Amber Wilson. I remember before this series her telling you, Joe Fortenbaugh, that the reason the Denver Nuggets were in fact beatable was because of their defense. All anybody talks about is how phenomenal they are offensively. But defensively, they do leave something to be desired. You saw that exploited last night by the best coach in the league. And that's what the Heat is going to continue to try to do is attack them in that manner. Offensively, you're going to eat. They're going to eat, right? Because Jokic is going to eat. No matter what you do, that dude is so good. But I think the biggest surprise for me has been how good Bam has been in this series. Because all we did was leading up to the series talk about what a tough matchup this is going to be for Bam, who traditionally has been terrible against Jokic and this Denver Nuggets team. In fairness to Bam, everybody's bad against Jokic, but he has traditionally been terrible. He has really figured something out, it feels like. In game one, he was good. In game two, He was great. He certainly deserves a lot of credit for that. If the Miami Heat were to win this thing, it would, I think, be bam right now that you'd be looking at for finals MVP. Obviously, on the Nuggets side, you'd be looking at Jokic. That's a given, but it'd be bam, not Jimmy right now. And we were having that conversation about the Miami Heat. That's the most surprising thing because I didn't think bam was going to have any opportunity to cook here. If you were able, if you bet bam out of bio to win finals MVP before the series started, if you go back to the series against Boston, you could have had him at 40 to 1. 40 to 1. A dollar wow. pays $40 on the return. Right now, plus 550. That same dollar wager gets you $5.50 back. So, yeah, the market is corrected. He has been outstanding. Jokic, still your favorite at minus 270. That means risk $270 to win 100. Butler in second at 4 to 1. That's a $100 wager returning $400 in profit. Yeah, I mean, Jokic, obviously, and Butler make sense. Those odds, those original odds for Bam, considering he's the second best player on the Miami Heat easily, it seems like they shouldn't have ever been that great. But again, that matchup traditionally has been a very, very ugly one. I don't know if there's anything traditional about what's happening here, though, in this postseason so far with the Miami Heat. So they've made it a series as the Heat beat the Nuggets 111-108. to We're going to continue to react to this series coming up next here on Joe and Amber. Coach Spo was feeling a little spicy at one of our colleagues' questions after Game 2. We'll get into his reaction. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Spolstra got a little salty 
with one of our own today. Not a normal reaction from Eric Spolster. You don't see it often, but he's fired up. His team is now 1-1. They have certainly made this thing a series. We will get into that in just a moment. But first, Joe Fortenbaugh is going to do what Joe Fortenbaugh does best. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, let's start with the books. Last show, three and three, up half a unit. We are now overall as a show since January, 134 wins, 127 defeats, one tie, up 9.85 units. Couple bets pending, futures bets from the Denver and Miami series. All right, we start tonight in the NHL. Sergei Bobrovsky, the goaltender for the Florida Panthers, over 29.5 saves at a price of minus 113. Had 29 saves in game one, giving up four goals in the process. Save one more shot and you're over the total. But that's not really the handicap. The handicap here is that Florida's defense gives up a ton of shots. In fact, they give up more shots than any team that qualified for the postseason at an average of about 37 per game. Vegas only took 34 shots in game one. So there's room for additional shots, which means there's room for additional saves. I do think Bobrovsky will play better in this game as well, not allowing four goals. Pizza money number one, Sergey Bobrovsky over 29 and a half saves. The odds are against him doing that. Everyone's shook now, Joe, is what I just said. Everyone, sh- everyone on our airwaves across ESPN, with the exception of like me and Kendrick Perkins and, and weirdly Max Kellerman, but... With the that those few exceptions, everyone across our airwaves has been so high on this Nuggets team, and so, it's just obvious that it's going to be such a sweep and easy work by the Nuggets. And of course, they were the best team in the NBA all season, and they're playing an eighth seed. And now I feel like off of what happened, that just everyone is so shook that even if you believed in the Nuggets before, you should still believe in the Nuggets. I mean, it's just one game; it could still easily be a gentleman's sweep. But I think that because of what the Heat have now done time and again this postseason and proving people wrong that now everyone's starting to hedge hedge what they say hedge their takes <laughs> i could see why i mean you come to the realization that miami is going to just continue to do this and that you shouldn't doubt them you shouldn't have doubted them the whole way they're a good team i will tell you that when you say everyone all of the gamblers not concerned that we talked about that on daily wager miami played well but again it's about winning four and seven or in this case three of the next six And that's where the math is ultimately going to get him, at least in our opinion. Well, nobody cares about your opinion, but I do care about the opinion of coach Eric Spolstra because he is the head coach of the Miami. He got a little salty at Ramona Shelbourne, though, in his post-game presser. I didn't love this from Spo. I'm going to keep it real here because if I'm going to insult Joe Mazzula and other coaches that have been a little salty with the media of late, then I got to keep it real and do it to Spo as well. So I don't love this from Spo, but take a listen. This is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when teams play against Jokic, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. He only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's the untrained eye that that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. Twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, oh, make him a scorer. That's not how they play. They, They have so many different actions that just get you compromised. We have to focus on what we do. You know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Man, we, he has our full respect. What did you think of that? The untrained eye, which in fairness to Ramona, like, I mean, we all have an untrained eye compared to 
Eric Spolstra, but otherwise her eye is far more trained than most. I think it's not so much a shot at Ramona or anyone else for that matter. I think it's just kind of the mindset that they have right now with the business they need to go about. Remember watching the Jordan documentary, how he would come up with these crazy thoughts about how other players had been disrespecting him and he would go out and he'd have these nuclear nights. And then the players would be like, yeah, I, I never said anything to the guy like that. That's just how some people, that's how they operate from a mental mindset standpoint because of the task they have in front of us. Spolstra knows the challenge ahead and he knows that it's not as simple as the way it's phrased. The more proper way to phrase it wouldn't be make Jokic a score. It would be something along the lines of make Jamal Murray less of a score or take away the passing lanes or limit what their offense does through actions. But again, Ramona did it in a very obvious way, a very easy to digest way. And Spo, I guess, took exception to it. But again, I don't think that's a shot at her. It sounds like it. And I can understand if, you know, you hear that and it's like, all right, man, back up a little bit. I just think that's where his mind is right now. Like, it's not that easy. I can't believe people would say this. We've got a big task in front of us. Yeah, you you do. And that's the way you need to be thinking to stay on top of this thing. I mean, the oversimplification is they're trying to limit the amount of assists, right? Like, they're trying to stop that part of the triple-double that Jokic tends to average here. And that's the problem when you're trying to defend Jokic. And they did do that. They let him cook in terms of points and they limited him in terms of assists. But I guess that's an oversimplification. It's just that your job is also sort of to simplify things. If you work in this business on this side of the microphone, because most of us don't have the basketball IQ that coach Eric Spolster does. So of course the whole thing is a bit of an oversimplification when we have these conversations, we're not going to be able to have it at the same level as Spo. I could understand his frustration with it because maybe it suggests that it's easy to do these things. Like in other words, Oh, you guys figured it out. All you have to do is let Jokic score and be more of a score. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. He doesn't want this narrative out there that it's easy to do anything to Nikola Jokic because it ain't. Speaking of coaches that were fired up at post-game pressers, Michael Malone, the losing coach in last night's game, was also fired up at his post-game presser. This time, not so much at the media. This time, he was fired up at his own team and their effort defensively. Take a listen to this. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting line- lineup to start the game is 10-2 to two Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. And we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves or not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals. And that, to me, is really, really perplexing, disappointing. I don't mind that from a coach that's trying to get his team to act. I think his biggest problem, he's using the word effort, but when you watch defensively the breakdowns that the Nuggets had in simple pick-and-roll situations where you'd have two defenders chasing one guy and then a wide-open pass to a Heat player that was able to knock down a three, that's what's getting him worked up. Just the mental lapses throughout the course of game one. But this is the NBA Finals. You need to be better than that. Denver failed in a lot of regards in game two. Well, and how everybody else has failed against this Miami Heat team because they do capitalize on your mistakes. If you make mistakes against Miami Heat, you are going to lose. They're going to capitalize on them, even though you have the more talent on the court, which is true with all of these teams they've been playing.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All tied up and headed down to Miami. Joe Nambers on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. All you have to do is tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio to hear us. It is that simple. Find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So the series is all tied up as we head into game three in Miami. Let's bring in some help with the conversation about Nuggets Heat. Ryan Hollins, 10-year NBA veteran, analyst for the Houston Rockets and host of NBA Rookie Life on iHeartRadio, joins us right now on Joe and Amber. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start with this narrative that... Eric Spolstra maybe doesn't enjoy, but how the Heat limited Nikola Jokic when it came to the assists and yet didn't bother limiting him so much in the points category. They let him cook in that regard. Have they found an answer here to how to defend Jokic? I wouldn't say that's the answer to how to defend Jokic, but it sounds like more the answer of how to win the series. You may lose the war, but you want to win the battle. So, he's that good, and this is why you put the respect on the Kobe's and the the LeBron's and the Michael's, and I'm not saying that Jokic isn't a good player, but you're going to say, you know what, we're going to take away your ability to pass, we're going to make you a score. And not just are we going to do that, we're going to see if you can do this for seven games. Ultimately, with the Heat winning that game, the series is in their favor now, so all they have to do is win out their home game. But I think we all know 
realistically, it just means this is going seven games. So by him doing that, you're going to say, yeah, Jokic, come and beat me. Come and score. And we're going to see and we're going to test your nutrition. We're going to test your conditioning. We're going to see if, if you can go out and get these 40 and 50 pieces all series long. And that's what Spolster is doing. It's a, it's a genius move. And part of that game one was just to fill it out. And I talked about it this earlier. The strategy when you're playing against a player that that's great, the thing that you have to do is you've got to take something away. And he can pass as well as, as, as with, with the best of them, arguably the greatest passing center that we've ever seen in the NBA. And he's got the numbers to back it up. So you say, don't pass, go be the scorer. And if he's scoring, he's not passing, and then you make him have to go out and work for everything he gets. So um, I actually really like what Spolstra's doing, and that's just the chess match behind the scenes. So if you're Denver and head coach Mike Malone, what's the counter to what Miami threw at you in game two? You got to get in some type of actions that get Jamal Murray going. You have to create early offense. You know, you got to be tougher. And you've already seen the Miami Heat has struggled, struggled to score, but you got to put Jokic in, you know, early quick hitting opportunities, whether it's uh, out, out, in, out, in, uh, out in transition scoring early, quick duck-ins, maybe you see him working a little lower, maybe it's on the elbow, but just putting him in a pick-your-poison type of scenario, and then the second unit has to come up big. You know, the thing about Denver's second unit, they go small, they're switchable, they play fast, it's a different different tempo, and in game one, they were electric, but they're going to have to step up, and they may be the winners of this series. You know, it's it's a 10-man rotation that Coach Mike Malone uses, and I played for Mike. I, I know what he's saying in the locker room, uh, to those guys, he's a great coach, but he's going to say, hey, man, he's going to challenge, you know, uh, Jamal Murray. He's going to challenge, you know, Porter Jr. to step up. He needs those other guys to have uh, the type of uh, production off the bounce. But I think the most equipped, clearly, as we know, is Jamal Murray. Ten-year NBA vet Ryan Hollins joining us here on Joe and Amber. Ryan, what have you made of how Bam Adebayo has played in this series? Because when we were headed into this series, a lot of people reasonably thought this was going to be a very ugly matchup for Bam, not just because he was going up against arguably the greatest player in the world, but also because traditionally this has been a terrible matchup for Bam. But so far he's been pretty impressive. He has been excellent. And just playing within himself, reading the defense. Here's the reality. Denver, unlike most of the NBA, what do they do? They don't switch. Everybody in the NBA switches defensively. And when you don't switch, what happens is you get into rotations. So Bam Adebayo becomes that Draymond Green, that secondary point guard where he's got to score or make a play, and that's where he's excelled. Don't forget Bam Adebayo is the guy who went out, went out and won the NBA skills competition. So you're putting the ball in his hands. You're letting him become more of a playmaker and he's excelled because what you don't want to do is switch Jokic onto Jimmy Butler, switch Jokic onto the perimeter shooting the Miami Heat. So you want to keep him home, and you want to play a traditional, the traditional NBA I played in where you have to rotate, scramble, and get back. And so far, it's looked like it's been working pretty, pretty well for the Heat in that second game because, like I said, they're playing with house money, and all the pressure was on Denver to win that second game. Mike Malone knew it. He said it, and they just couldn't deliver home, unfortunately. So as we turn our attention to Game 3 and beyond, it looks like Miami's on the verge of getting Tyler Hero back. I don't believe anything official has been announced for Game 3, but this is a 20-point scorer who's expected to make his return. The thing is, the Heat have been cooking without him, 
And it's not so simple to say, well, they're better off without him. I mean, you're going to want another scoring option on the floor, but how do you integrate him back into the offense without disrupting the rhythm that you've developed over the last month? He's going to have to be on the defensive end of the floor. We know Tyler Hero can go out and score with the best of them, but he's going to have to defend. If he can defend, he brings a lot to the table. And in, in, I would say in, in moments, the struggles is, you know, him just keeping his man in front and doing the little things. And, and I get it. Hero doesn't want to be the guy to mess it up. And I think, you know, as a ball player, you go out and you look and you go, dang, man, these guys seem to be having success without me. But in all reality, some of the struggles that you see on the other hand is somebody else to step up and score. You know, if it's not Jimmy Butler who's scoring for the Heat, who's working off the bounce. Right now, there's a lot of shooters. So shooters need those guys who can create to, you know, to kind of get them open. So I think that's where Hero can help. I think if he can bring toughness and defense with his ability to play make, that could be a huge punch that the Heat are, are, are struggling to get because they're grinding these games out, man. They're, they're barely cracking 100 points in some of these wins, man. This is old school basketball. So Hero is the guy who can fill it up, and he can take that pressure away from Jimmy Butler, who's obviously well-equipped to score, but you want to relieve him of some of his duties. Tyler Hero is averaging 20 points per game this season, and we're discussing whether they should bring him back. It is wild what's been happening here with this Miami Heat team. Ryan Hollins, 10-year NBA vet, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Ryan, you mentioned there you played for Coach Malone. What did you make of him publicly after the game and his postgame presser calling out his team, saying that the effort wasn't there from some of those guys? Mike Malone has always done this. This is the reason that they're in the situation that they're in, you know, which is winning. You know, you you look at the Miami Heat, you you look over, um, you you look over at, um, excuse me, uh, the Denver Nuggets. It's it's a culture game. If you can coach your star player, if your star players listen to the things that you have to say, it puts you in a situation where you can be successful because those guys are going to respond. They wouldn't be in this situation if Mike Malone hadn't been doing so, and Mike had been challenging his guys ever since he'd been the coach there. So. Denver has themselves a good one. The players respond. They're not tuning it out. Uh, forgive me. It's it's not this new NBA where some of these guys end up getting coddled and, you know, get their hands held. You know, ain't no feelings when you're playing for Coach Mike Malone. He's going to put it out, man. I remember um, he, he he gave it to them. When I played there in, in Sacramento when he was there, he gave it to DeMarcus Cousins, the worst. He, he rolled Boogie Cousins, and, and, and Boogie had his best years um, as, as a professional because of it. So I, I understand what Mike Malone is doing, and you got to trust what, what he's doing if you're the front office there, and, and that's kind of how they've had success. And, you know, hats off for Denver for sticking with Coach Malone. Real quick, Ryan, here on your way out. The Nuggets haven't faced much adversity, frankly, all season long as the one seed, certainly in this postseason. How do you think they bounce back from this? Oh, they'll be, they'll be fine, man. This is a team that works hard. We talked about Coach Malone being very realistic with his guys, and it's paid off. So um, I think they're going to bounce back. I don't think anybody thinks that um, the Heat are just going to run away with this thing, and I think we have a good series on our hand. We have a chess match. But keep in mind what I'm saying. Jamal Murray is going to have to be a lot more aggressive. And if he's more aggressive, that's going to end up paying off in the long run. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Hollins, 10-year NBA vet. Thanks for your time. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Again, you can check him out on NBA Rookie Life on iHeartRadio. He is also an analyst for the Houston Rockets. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, why one NFL star says their dynasty has just begun. We will get into that. James Steele is going to be very upset he's not here today in the producer chair. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have certainly been reacting a ton to game two of the NBA finals. We will continue to do so throughout the show, but we're going to take a little hiatus, talk a little NFL. Before we get to that, Joe's got some more advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, so let's go back to the ice. First pizza money tonight was Sergei Bobrovsky, Panthers netminder over 29 and a half saves. Second pizza money of the night. Vegas defenseman Shea Theodore over two and a half shots. That is plus 115. Had three shots in game one, I believe, and has had three or more shots in four of his last five playoff games. He gets a lot of ice time because he's on the penalty kill unit, or excuse me, the power play unit. So he's out there for quite a bit compared to other goal or uh, other defenders on the Knights. I believe he had the third most minutes in game one. So we've got a lot of minutes. We've got a Panthers team that gives up a lot of shots, as we mentioned earlier. 37 per game in the postseason, most of any team out there. And a guy who's trending in the right direction in terms of how he's been getting to this mark on a frequent basis. Pizza money number two, Shea Theodore, defenseman for the Vegas Golden Knights, going over two and a half shots. Producer extraordinaire James Steele. He is not here today because he's doing very nerdy things. He's at Monday Night Raw. I mean, I'm surprised anybody's at work. At ESPN, because I believe Monday Night Raw tonight is in Hartford, Connecticut, right? So It's, it's nearby, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of them. Fitz is there, making a fool of himself. They're all there. They're all there. They're all, all the ESPNers are there for Monday Night Raw. But Sam Pierce is here. He is producing the show. Somehow, even with Sam here in the producer's seat, James has infiltrated the show enough to get us to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know how he did it. We put a ban on him having any Chiefs content in the show, and here we are with an entire segment here on the Kansas City Chiefs. But the reason we're going to talk about the Chiefs... doesn't have to be about that. We can talk about the UFOs. I don't understand how a whistleblower has come out and made it clear that the United States government has a retrieval program for non-human-made spacecraft, and we aren't talking about it anywhere. We finally have, like, confirmation that aliens are out there and everyone's like, eh, whatever. What are the Kardashians up to? One of the biggest surprises of my lifetime has been when the government just came out and, like, it straight up admitted. They're like, yeah, there's been UFOs, you know, for a really long time. And then they released all this video of fighter pilots over the years just encountering these unidentified flying objects. And everybody was like, eh. (laughs) Like, what? And now you have a whistleblower who's telling you all about it. And nobody, nobody cares. cares. It's, a, it's I think we're like at this point, it's like, hey, it came along with too much information. If you had dropped this information 50 years ago, this would have been the biggest thing ever. And it's certainly you would have mentioned it at least in the A block of our show. I mean, you weren't even mentioning it until the end of the seven o'clock hour. So even for you, somebody who's awestruck by this story, here we are. I didn't 48 wanna, minutes into the show. I didn't want to disrupt the fact that you are under the impression one win wins an NBA final series. I wanted to <laughs> let you cook with that for a little bit. And also the big problem for the UFO community with announcing this 
They did it on the same day Apple released this new product that they're going to be selling, the Apple right. Vision thing. You can't go head-to-head with Apple, no. UFO community. You just can't do it. No, you can't. do Aliens or Apple. Apple's going to win that battle. Yeah. Aliens are only so interesting. Travis Kelsey may be an alien because of how well he plays football. That would explain a lot. The Chiefs tight end was on FanDuel TV and talked about his thoughts on his team as a dynasty. I would say, yeah, we're the Kansas City has been a dynasty for quite a while now, and um, obviously I'm biased <laughs> to that. But I think that uh, what Coach Reed has done, uh, when you put it up against what the Warriors have done, obviously we don't have as many championships right now. So uh, we got some work to do. So I think Pat Mahomes is definitely going to find a way to get more than four championships. Hopefully uh, I'm still along for the ride uh, by the time he gets there. So Travis Kelsey thinks that Patrick Mahomes will have many more championships. Freddie Coleman, host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons, was hosting Greeny today because, you know, Freddie Coleman, he's one of those, right? He's always on all the other shows. He's a he's big timer here. He's the man, uh, also the nicest man, I think, at ESPN. Anyways, Freddie Coleman he is quite knowledgeable as well about football. He does not think it's going to be so easy for the Chiefs to be a dynasty. They lost Tyreek Hill. I said, as long as they got number 15 in red, they're, they're going to be fine. But when you're having to do that time and time and time and time and time and time again, and the league keeps getting better and better and better, and quarterbacks keep getting better, and our defensive schemes keep getting better, as great as a once-in-a-generation kind of quarterback that Mahomes has turned out to be, it's still going to be very difficult when the AFC is going to keep getting loaded each and every year. So what do you think, Joe? What say you? Are the Chiefs a dynasty, and will they be a dynasty? Well, so how do we define dynasty? Because this is a big argument I've had when I used to work in the Bay Area. The San Francisco Giants won three World Series in five years. But during that time, there's a pretty good case to be made that they were never really the best team. They got hot in the playoffs those three years. And then in the two other years where they didn't win, they didn't even make the postseason and they weren't any good. So how do you get to be a dynasty if every other year you don't have a good run, right? So generally, I think the accepted practice here is you need to win what? Three and four or three and five? How do we define the dynasty? Yeah, most people two say like three and five. Most people say you know, right. three and five, then we're cooking on a dynasty. All right. So three and five. Maybe if you extended it to three and six, I could get behind that. And I'd sit here and I'd evaluate Kansas City. Freddie's right. As long as Mahomes is under center, that team's in it. But there's so much at stake here that we just discount so often when we talk about this. Just because we saw a warrior dynasty and a Patriot dynasty, I think we have this mindset that it's a little bit easier to do. How many teams have won two Super Bowls this millennium? It's like the Patriots, the Giants, and Kansas City, right? Is there anyone else who has two Super Bowl wins? We all thought Seattle and the Legion of Boom would win multiples. They didn't. We all thought Drew Brees was capable of winning multiple Super Bowls. He didn't. Peyton Manning won two, but let's be honest, the second one happened in Denver, and that was because of the defense, not because of him. He was completely gone at that point. Look at his stats. Look at his production. He wasn't the same guy. So the this Steelers, is really hard to do. the Steelers do. have a couple in this millennial? They went to Ravens. two, but they lost to Green Bay. And Baltimore's got one, but that other yeah, one they, came right in the end of the 90s, if I'm not mistaken, I that think, first one where they took they out the Giants. Three. Either way, there's yeah. been very few teams that have been able to do it, and you're expending, you're expanding it out to Steelers do have two. this. Yeah, they have two. I think Baltimore has three. two as well. But again, it's still two. very few teams, and you're expanding it out to a millennial. We're talking like you need to be able to do it 
in a very short period of time. Here's the problem with the dynasty conversation as well. It's not just how many you win. I have no problem believing that even though there's so many factors, even though I'm seeing every year in the NFL, somehow the AFC continue to get better, right? Even though that division is always changing, it wasn't nearly as good as we thought it was going to be this past season, but are the Chargers going to get there next season? Obviously, we're looking for some of these other quarterbacks to take another step too, where Patrick Mahomes' job might not be getting any easier because of some of these other up-and-comers. All of that's always part of the conversation. But the other part of this conversation is Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old, and I can totally buy the fact that we're going to see him win multiple more Super Bowls, but it might be over like a 15-year span, you know? Like, he he could easily be playing for at, at least 12, 13 more years, probably 15 more years at that position if he follows the Tom Brady diet. And if that's the case... That's not a dynasty, even though it might feel like one, because it's too many different versions of that team, right? I mean, you could even argue that this last Warriors title wasn't necessarily part of the dynasty because it was a little bit removed there in proximity, and they had such terrible time in between. You've also got to factor in all the things that need to maintain in order to continue competing at a really high level. Forget about the fact that you're going to be going against Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. If Tua stays healthy in Miami, that team can be dangerous. You've got young guys in Trevor Lawrence that are coming up. Forget forget about the competition. Andy Reid is 65 years old. He's a big reason for the success in Kansas City. How much longer is he going to be around? Travis Kelsey is 34 years old. He is a big reason they've had so much success in Kansas City. How much longer is he going to be able to play at a very high level? It's not to doubt any of them. It's just there's a lot that needs to go right if you're going to be winning multiple Super Bowls in a short period of time. And certainly it takes a little luck as well in terms of the health factor. So that always factors into this conversation too. I would say that the odds are stacked against this actually happening, even though I feel pretty confident I will see the Chiefs win more titles here. We are going to go back to the NBA conversation. We're going to tell you what the Nuggets can do to turn this series around. Why are we going to tell them that? I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk about the Heat. Maybe Tyler Hero's coming back. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast.